Welcome to Wordsmithy, a podcast for old words. That's right. It's a half episode today where we talk about interesting old words. I've decided that's the best way to do this, and I think it'll be fun. So for today's topic, and I'll be honest, this is really coming from a place of me being defensive. We're talking about mythological eponyms. The reason I'm being defensive is in part due to last episode's word, which was Pygmalius. I'm still proud of this word. I think we did a good job, particularly the part that comes from the figure Pygmalion. However, I feel like some people might hear me creating a new word from a really, really, really old dude and be like, whoa, man, that's a obscure deep cut but you'd be really surprised how many words like modern words still in usage today come from old figures so yeah we call these eponyms and that word is derived of two other words the prefix ep meaning after or unto or upon i think and also nim which is like name so you can think pseudonym is another word, or if you break it down, it's pseudo, false, and nim. Pseudonym is a fake name. So therefore, the word eponym refers to a person after whom a word is named or just thought to be named. And that's really a good word if you break it down. I mean, ep, after, nim, name, something someone's named after. It's just, that's beautiful. Eponym can also apply to a word that is derivative of a figure, so it kind of works both ways. So an example of this that is fairly common, um, last episode, I, in a very typical English teacher fashion, alluded to the myth of Narcissus. Um, In that myth, the titular character sees his reflection in a pool, falls deeply in love with themselves. And in some tellings, he falls figuratively for himself and literally for himself. He falls into the pool of water and drowns. Now, the figure Narcissus is the basis for the word Narcissus. Do you hear the difference there? Every now and again, English does this really annoying English language thing where it just switches the stress of a word. Um, It's like you would think you'd say comparable, but you should say comparable. So Narcissus becomes Narcissus or Narcissistic. And these words describe a person who has an ungodly admiration for themselves, a real inflated sense of identity to a fault. Like this isn't just being confident. This is being cocky, obtuse, really into yourself. If you Google the definition for Narcissistic, fun fact, it says having an excessive or erotic interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. I bring that up to make you feel uncomfortable, but also it brings us to our next eponym, which is erotic. I can really see myself uh, while teaching English casually mentioning this fact because I'm just excited about... (laughs) Not excited. That's, That's not a good word to use in conjunction with erotic. I think language is cool. Um, For instance, I got in trouble once because another fun fact, the word testify and the word testicle are really strongly related. 
and uh, told that to a group of high schoolers, and it went as about as well as you'd think. Um, however, erotic to talk about that awkward thing. Um, you know, this word talks about sexy, sensual, salacious times. It comes from the Greek god of love and sex and sexy times in general, Eros. Um, you can see also erogenous zones, which are the uh, sexy zones on the body. And it makes sense to use Eros um, for these words because he had a very tantalizing effect on his followers. And I didn't say that slowly and with emphasis to sound creepy. I did do it to try to be clever, which is a huge hazard for any good writing whenever the writer is trying to be clever. You're like, okay, dude, just say what you need to say. Don't be all witty and clever and tongue-in-cheek about it. I'll tell you how I was trying to be clever in just a little bit. The first, another eponym that you may have heard. Um, martial, as in martial arts or martial law, comes from the god of war, Mars. So it kind of makes sense. Martial arts is like the artistic moves of war. And martial law refers to the laws in force during wartime. Um, wartime famously is a time of mass panic and pandemonium. I uh, did it again, trying to be clever. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you how. Buckle up, prepare yourself, and get this. I hid eponyms in my examples of eponyms. Like eponymception. So when I was talking about martial law, I bet you didn't notice I had talked about panic. Pandemonium. Now panic, of course, is being in a state of terror. And guess where that comes from? Yeah, yeah, it does. It comes from the Greek god Pan, who would often sneak up and surprise easily scared people. <laughs> and, and, when I was talking about the god Eros, the sexy times god, I was talking about his tantalizing effect on people, you know. He's a sexy god, and people are tempted by his sexiness. Um, tantalizing, this is my favorite one, uh, comes from the Greek mythological figure. Tantalus. Tantalus had an awful life. He was tortured for eternity in hell. Or a deep abyss. There was a lot of torturing, that's all that matters. Um, he was made to stand in a pool of water, which was beneath a fruit tree. And the fruit tree had these low branches with delicious looking fruit, but he could not reach it with his hands because he was so deep in the pool and the water was almost up to his chin, just surrounding him and also the water would would recede anytime he went to take a drink so he spent eternity longing for just some food or water that he could see so close to him it's really sad if you get the chance you might google some paintings of tantalus just to see they're some of my favorite like classical depictions of mythology because it's so sad and somehow real funny. Maybe some of those words are rather low frequency. So here's one of my favorite high frequency words from mythology to consider that is an eponym. Breakfast cereals. Maybe you had some cereal this morning. Um, some fruity pebbles, some fruit loops, some 
Captain Crunch. I was the weird kid when I was younger. I loved Raisin Bran and all my friends said I was super boring. And maybe that checks out. But get this. As if this wasn't boring. Breakfast cereals also comes from a Roman goddess. A Roman goddess of grain, which makes perfect sense. Ceres. Cereal? Ceres. It's a bowl of milk and grain. And she was the goddess of grain. It makes sense, right? It's interesting. And eponyms are great. They can be used to describe someone's behavior. Mercurial comes from the god Mercury. I always thought that word came from the element or the planet. But get this, the element and the planet come from Mercury. He was first. Sorry, uh, mercurial just means someone who shifts their personality or mood or demeanor real quickly and all abouts. Machiavellian comes from Machiavelli. You know, someone who's very manipulative. And masochist comes from a German dude that had a name similar to the word masochist because it's an eponym. Eponyms can also describe anatomy. Achilles heel is named after Achilles. That's obvious. Cupid's bow, referring to one's upper lip shape, kind of looks like a bow, comes from the Roman version of Eros, Cupid, and his weapon of choice. Also, like I said before, erogenous zones come from Eros slash Cupid. So hear me out here. If these figures from way long ago, most of them from mythology, I slid a few more modern or renaissance examples anyway if these figures can be used to describe one's behavior and one's anatomy it stands to reason eponyms can describe extensions of oneself also and that is where pygmalius comes in our word from last week talking about your online extension of yourself whether it be on tinder or linkedin I feel like I've done a great job defending myself for using Pygmalion in a modern word. I think it's funny to have to do this. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear me do this more, I can. Uh, it's Yeah, words are fun. Um, I've only scratched the surface here of all the eponyms in the world. And for the most part, I did try to restrict myself to gods, goddesses, and mythological figures. You know, trying to tie into the last episode. But eponyms can be historical figures. They can be literary ones. They can even be scientists or explorers. It's pretty standard for people to stake their claim on land and ideas. So they stick their name on it. You know, one theory about the name America is it comes from an Italian map maker. So that's cool. And many an article on the web has been written about how the fallopian tubes are named after a dude. And on a similar note, there is once a scientist with the last name Graffenberg. And his name starts with a G. And he also has part of the female body named after him. There's a real interesting article I'll put in the description about 
the case for renaming female body parts that were previously named after men. And when I first heard about this idea, I thought, okay, that's, that sounds a little excessive or unnecessary, but then I did read the article and it is pretty surprising how many body parts on the female are named after men. And I, I do think it's worth a conversation for sure. Um, the article really draws this cool comparison between uh, anatomy and colonization. Like she calls these dead white male anatomists people who are immortalized like explorers conquering the geography of the female body. Like it was terra nullius or nobody's land in Latin. I think this is really cool and interesting to think about. I don't necessarily think we're going to go through with changing these names because they've been written like this for so very long. Uh, and just not everyone's a language nerd like me. But if you are a language nerd like me, let's play a game. There are so many eponyms in usage today. Uh, the list of eponyms on Wikipedia is one of those pages that's a list alphabetically, but it's split between A through K and L through Z. And that's how you know you made it as a Wikipedia page. They make a separate page for you that is just a list of other pages. Um, and that list itself is split in two on the website. You made it, eponyms, you're there. So if you want to play a game, you can peruse that page and tweet me your favorite eponym. The Twitter handle is at word underscore smith underscore ty. I really wish I could just say tweet me at wordsmitty, but someone has already taken that handle. And if you're listening out there at wordsmitty, I will buy your handle for $10. Anywho, thanks for listening to wordsmitty. If you have a suggestion for a new word, send an email to suggestions at wordsmitty.com. I'd love to think really pedantically about it because that's what I do best. On the next episode, it's been suggested that we make a word for when your partner or friend steals food from your plate and eats it. Um, if you think you can create a word for that, you can send me a recording of you explaining your word, and I'll feature it on the episode. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Hear you soon? Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.